It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. Today's podcast is for you hardworking mamas out there, holding it down, managing all of the things. And if cannabis is your co-pilot to get her done with grace, kudos to you for leaning on Mother Nature. It does take a village, as they say. I'm sure many of you can attest that it's rather inconvenient parenting from the cannabis closet. Melanie recently wrote, I've honestly been blown away by your podcasts and listening to them most of the day. Being a cannabis mom has changed my life during the pandemic. The stigma is real, unfortunately. My husband is much more confident and open with his friends. Why am I so secretive? It's the damn stigma. But I know I've processed living in this crazy world because of cannabis. Keep the podcasts coming and I'll share away. Thank you, Melanie, for reaching out and sharing your perspective. Today, we're dialing back the shame, stigma, and misinformation with Danielle Simone Brand, author of Weed Mom, the Canna Curious Woman's Guide to Healthier Relaxation, Happier Parenting, and Chilling the Fuck Out. Today's podcast is covered by MJ Relief. The muscle rub for what aches and pains you. All right, folks, it is official. The pain-relieving, skin-soothing muscle rub I co-created with Dr. Monica Vielpondo is finally out in the wild and ready to enhance your everyday experience. MJ Relief is the same thoughtful PhD formulation we've been batch producing for four years for our friends and family as Casually Baked Muscle Rub. But now it's in a convenient tube so you can avoid messy mishaps, overusing, and contamination from those double-dipping fingers. And bonus, it smells like a relaxing dream and is a perfect co-pilot for those massages. I've used MJ Relief damn near every day for four years to ease my chronic muscle tension from spending way too many hours each day on the computer. If you're feeling my pain and want some muscle and joint relief of your own, head over to mjskinrelief.com and order a tube for you and another one for your favorite supermom. That's mjskinrelief.com. This podcast is for all you mamas who feel judged or think you'll feel judged if you consume cannabis. It's also good information for everyone else because, duh, happy, healthy moms inspire and elevate the world. 
Danielle shares her story and highlights from her book, Weed Mom. We do some role play and get in the weeds on marriage, mindful and incognito consumption, booze versus bud, finding your mommy tribe, explaining cannabis to kids, and ways to ease your fears. So settle in for some spicy talk about extinguishing the shame torch. Raise that vape pen, Mom, and take a puff. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one smoke. Good morning. We are live on Casually Baked, the podcast with Danielle Simone Brand. Danielle, thank you so much for joining me this morning to talk about weed moms. Thank you so much, Joe. I'm happy to be here. Yes. Man, this is such a good conversation to have. I've got so many mom listeners and, uh, you know, parents in general, and I get emails from dads and the messages are very different. The women are like, I really like cannabis. It's helpful for me, but I feel shame around it. I feel closeted. And the emails I get from the men are, can you please help my mom? Can you please help my wife? Get okay with cannabis as medicine. So, you know, I think it's fascinating the, I don't know, the structure of the female mind, whatever flows through our blood and DNA and culture that has created this kind of women have to take care of everything. They have to burden everything. And then we find something that helps us and we got to be shameful and closeted about it. So I'm not a mom. I can't speak to that, but you can, Danielle. So where does that come from? Tell me your experience. You know, I think that's a fascinating question. And I was just reading a book, uh, Playing Big. Did you know about that one by Tara Moore? And uh, she lays out some really interesting reasons that I think um, make a lot of sense. They resonate a lot to me as to why women are so worried about what other people think of us, basically. And it has to do with, you know, history and patriarchy and just a long history of women having to to be likable, to be, you know, pleasing, to be attractive, to be somebody who's easy to be along to, to get along with in order to survive in this patriarchal world. And things are changing, obviously, but you know, we, that's that's been ingrained in our great, great grandmothers and, you know, all the way down to us. And, and I think that mothers in particular, not just women, but mothers in particular are generally judged, you know, by society, uh, the harshest when it comes to any like perceived moral failings. And for many people using cannabis is a moral failing, even though we know that's not true. And th these ideas are changing very, very slowly. But that's why I wrote my book, because I want them to change more quickly. I want women to feel empowered to you know, use cannabis if it feels good to them, if it enhances their ability to, you know, be present for their families, themselves, their work in the world um, without shame. Yes. Drop the shame torch, ladies. <laughs> yes. So we don't need it. I anymore. know. Okay. So today I want us to talk about talking about weed, what to share, when to say it, how to handle that negative feedback. And, you know, mom's love a good teaching moment. So I feel like we can put together some information here today and package that up with your book, Weed Mom. And that will be a very powerful tool for moms finding their voice around cannabis. So I think the best place for us to start is with your relationship with cannabis, because it definitely didn't start out all lovey-dovey. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> I I do describe myself once in a while on social media as a former low-key hater of cannabis. Um, and I really had an epiphany. So I mean, my, my brief history is that um, I grew up in Hawaii. So there's definitely cannabis culture there. I was aware of it, but it just wasn't my thing. I didn't understand it. It wasn't, you know, my go to I think I, you know, I smoked maybe twice in high school with some friends. And I was like, what? I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't even know if I felt high. And then I felt hungry. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that was, you know, shitty ditch weed in the 1990s. And then, you know, just fast forward a bunch of years, I met my husband when I was 23. So really young, and we got married when I was 24. And he was definitely a stoner. He was definitely, you know, in that culture and used cannabis a lot, to the point where I started feeling like, oh, it may be causing some problems for him. And he, he even noticed that it was causing some problems. 
you know, he wasn't as motivated at work because he was using it a lot. And he had some, you know, I talk about this in the book. So he's comfortable with me uh, relating this part of the story. But, you know, he was really overusing it, leaning on it for for some self-medication without a lot of awareness around how to do that in a healthy way. So, you know, again, this was prohibition time. We didn't know anything about THC and CBD ratios. We didn't know anything about terpenes. It was just like, you know, weed or no weed, right? (laughs) All this nuance we have in the legal marketplace wasn't there. So he was overusing it. And I was, you know, that judgy wife about it for a while. Um, And we've been married for almost 18 years now. So this, you know, it's been a long journey. And we'd reached a point in our marriage where it became a real sticking point. It was something that um, he would hide from me because of my judginess. And that really drove a wedge between us. And we had some other marital problems that erupted after our kids were just out of the toddler stage, just out of that very intense pregnancy, breastfeeding, baby, toddler stage where like, I didn't know what up was. Yes, bless your heart. Yes. <laughs> and probably he didn't either. So these problems in our marriage came to a head and he went to rehab for weed, which sounds crazy because, you know, as we know, it's not so much that it's physically addictive. You don't go through withdrawals necessarily. You might have some discomfort if you stop taking THC cold turkey after using it heavily, but it's not the same as, you know, so many other substances that can really, you know, mess with you physically. But, you know, he he needed to re recalibrate his relationship to it. He needed to learn how to use other tools for self-care as well as, uh, you know, as well as cannabis. And now that he's re, you know, rethought that whole relationship, gone without it for a while, he's actually able to use it in a much more mindful way. And I find that, you know, wonderful that now we get to share it. So how I got into it after rejecting it and saying, okay, I don't think it should be illegal, but I don't really want it part of my life. We were living in California at the time, and um, I voted for legal weed in 2016. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Even though I was like, ah, you know, it's not a huge part of my life, and I, I wish it weren't, but, you know, nobody should go to jail. Absolutely. I never thought that, you know, that it should be illegal. So fast forward a little bit, I became a freelance writer, and I noticed, you know, this was a time of boom for the cannabis industry, and it still is, but, you know, those early days were very heady. <laughs> And so many publications popping up, you know, around cannabis and mainstream publications wanting to cover cannabis. So I found myself landing these assignments without even really caring that much about cannabis yet. But it captured my fascination, you know, like the fact that it combines science and and wellness and self-care. And you can talk about politics and social justice and business and all these different areas. I was like, Hey, this is this is legit awesome in terms of, you know, intellectual stimulation. And, and may I interject? I find sure. that fascinating too. That was in direct opposition to what your personal experience of cannabis had been. So, you know, by you doing this homework and doing the research, you're getting to see all of these other perspectives of this plant, which, you know, is so important. And the fact that this is happening, that you're getting these assignments. Is your husband in rehab during this time or is he back at home now and transitioning into a life without cannabis? Like where is all that during this time? Yeah. So when I started writing about cannabis, he was out of rehab, back home, integrating into, you know, our everyday lives again. It was probably six months later, I I would say that, you know, a cannabis assignment popped up for me and I was like, hmm, okay. Let's give that a try. And, you know, like I said, it captured my fascination. And so slowly I started writing more about it. Also seeing in San Diego where we were, you know, the proliferation of new recreational dispensaries and even like cannabis billboards on the freeway. And I remember my my son, who was probably six or seven at the time, reading a billboard and saying, what's cannabis, <laughs> mama? Yeah. <laughs> and I really didn't know. I didn't know what to tell him, to be honest. Like, was it something that, that you know, was addictive and harmful, you know, something that I had kind of thought to be true before for my husband, or was it this like substance that helped people in so many other ways I was learning about, like with anxiety and with sleep and with, you know, mood and sex and, you know, these things that, that adults really need, especially adult women. And in my case, you know, being a mom, those are things that I really, really felt uh, were valuable. So I decided to just give it a try for myself. So I, I guiltily ordered a vape pen and some cookies for my dispensary. 
and, you know, kind of like stuffed it in my drawer and forgot about it for a while. And then um, finally, when I was alone one day, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to see how I feel. So I took one hit. It's so silly, you know, now when I think about like how momentous that felt to me, but I took one puff of this vape pen, got on my yoga mat. I had been a yoga teacher for a long time um, and was like, all right, let's explore. So I sat there, I meditated, I felt deeply into my body, and then I just started moving in this organic way. It didn't have to be classic postures or you know anything that was goal oriented. It was just an unfolding of of sensation, and I loved it. It felt transcendent, and I thought, you know, I've been missing out, and I could incorporate this in my life in a way that supports me. So yeah, that was my journey, and then from there it was just like a a quick roll down the road yeah, to being a snowball. total cannabis lover. <laughs> So I find that interesting, too, that your first experience, you were like, I guiltily did this. So as you are starting to experiment with cannabis, what is the dialogue that's happening with you and your husband? Yeah, so we we talked about it a lot. I think that there were, you know, dozens of conversations probably over that period of time when I was developing an interest and writing about it and then actually enjoying it for myself. Uh, and in the beginning, you know, I was, I was beginning to partake and enjoy, and he was still abstaining totally. So, you know, there were moments that that caused some tension, obviously, like there were moments that he wanted to partake with me and, but didn't feel like it was healthy enough for him. There were moments that he felt kind of resentful that I got to experiment and have fun, you know, with something that he used to love and, and wasn't able to. It was definitely a lot of conversation, some push pull, some conflict. But, you know, ultimately we were able to, to figure out, you know, and, and like, a, like I, I say about talking to kids about cannabis, it's not one conversation or one like one and done, here's what we're going to do kind of thing. This, you know, it's an evolving relationship. Yes, it is us. a practice. Exactly. It is absolutely a practice. And the other thing that I find really interesting about your story is as you are cautiously onboarding and you're doing the homework, you know, it's to be a, a journalist to write about the subject matter. I'm curious if your experience and you going this low and slow route, if that's what opened up the doors for your husband to finally introduce cannabis back into his life in a responsible way. Yeah, I think so. I think it's that and, you know, the availability of products on the rec market that are just so much more nuanced and subtle and we just we have more information. So, when he first started, you know, dipping his toe back into cannabis, he started with a super high CBD flower, just a tiny bit of THC. And he, you know, he really felt benefit from that. He felt the settling of the CBD and that just little bit of euphoria from the THC. And, and that that's really helpful. And to this day, he can't consume super high THC products because it's not really healthy for his brain. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so even though I'm a cannabis advocate, I want to make sure that people understand, like, you know, look, I get that there are downsides to this. I get that we have to use it mindfully or, you know, or we could potentially get ourselves into trouble. So I just wanted to approach this from a very realistic point of view. Absolutely. And that's no different than, say, alcohol or tobacco or anything else. If you make these decisions to do that, there is always a level of thought and conscious action that takes place. You know, I find it ridiculous that we can advertise alcohol. And I know it's because of federal legalization still pending, but cannabis is actually a beneficial medicine and there are no redeeming qualities of alcohol. And now that I'm saying that, I'm brought back to the very beginning of your book when you <laughs> write your breakup letter to booze. <laughs> That's right. Dear alcohol, we're breaking up. <laughs> yes. So many moms that I know would love to trade the glass or the bottle of wine that they drink a night with cannabis, mm -hmm. but they feel the shame around it. They don't want to smell like weed. They worry about having the conversation with their kids. So the fact that you have elementary age children, what is that like for you and your household? How do you navigate that? So that has been interesting. I, and I, I should say I was never a big drinker before, but alcohol was my go-to for socializing and relaxing on Friday night and Saturday night. And 
I started to notice that I just, I don't think my body ever metabolized alcohol that well, but it just sort of accepted it as like, okay, if you want to feel good and relax, you know, in the evening, you're going to feel like crap the next day. I just sort of accepted that, <laughs> but it, that became worse and worse and more pronounced for me, even, you know, cutting back a lot on how much I would drink on a Friday night, like having one glass of wine might still give me a hangover, might still give me a migraine. I get hormonal migraines that are really awful to deal with and alcohol absolutely, you know, makes them worse. It exacerbates them. So for me, once I discovered cannabis and how enjoyable it is and how much I can get to that place of relaxation and ease and transitioning mind spaces from work to family or, you know, family to sexy later on in the evening once the kids are asleep, you know, that sort of thing. Once I realized that cannabis was so helpful for that and that I could feel good the next day, I could feel completely normal and fine and healthy the next day after partaking. I was like, no brainer, you know, <laughs> I don't have time for that shit. Like, <laughs> yes, I feel you. Feel good. I feel yeah. you. I have a glass of wine anymore. I'm 44 now. And I wake up the next morning and I feel like I've drank the whole bottle. I have to go back to the counter and look. This is ridiculous. So I have really, really loved the drinkables and creating mocktails with some sort of THC infused whatnot. Lately, I have um, a canicello that a friend made with um, lemons from their orchard. And it's been so nice because you can feel like you're having a cocktail. You don't have to go outside for a smoke. You know, somebody in Texas right now, frozen over. And uh, there's just, yeah. there's so many benefits now where you can literally have that same habit. You want to have your afternoon toddy time or happy hour cocktail, whatever. Now you can have low dose cannabis and have a couple and still get that ease and unwinding feeling without feeling like shit the next day and not having to have that mommy, you smell like your medicine. <laughs> 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 yes, I know. I I love the fact that in the legal marketplace now we just have so many options. It's not like yes, you, I love flour. Now flour is my passion and joy. But but at the same time, I know that it's not everybody's cup of tea. And you know, you can't always smell like weed. And you know, there are a lot of limitations and considerations, mm -hmm. especially for moms. So yes, products like drinkables or sublingual strips or sprays, low-dose edibles, I think they're just like the perfect entry point for, for a lot of women in particular these days. Yeah. In my head, I'm seeing all the moms in the carpool line picking up kids and stuff, like hitting their vape pen real quick before, before the kids get in the car. So... <laughs> I wouldn't recommend driving, but... <laughs> I'm sure it happens. Um, yeah, I mean, there are so many like, so I have a chapter in the book on moments that it's appropriate to elevate when you're a mom, because, you know, safety is a consideration too, especially if you're new and you don't know how THC affects you. I think that's really important yes. to, you know, make sure you don't have big responsibilities. You don't have to drive the kids anywhere, you know, when you're trying something new. But yes, there are so many parenting situations that cannabis enhances. I can't stress that enough. It helps moms be more patient, more present, more willing to get down on the floor and play, more willing to do art and make things messy, you know, get into the kitchen and make a mess. Like I've done all this stuff with my kids while, you know, microdosed or moderate dosed and totally functional, totally with it. And yet I'm just a more chill version of me and we have a lot more fun. Yes. Way more playful, creative version of yourself. Yes. And yes. And I just have littles. I have seven or nine, technically, nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. And I love being Aunt Jojo and playing and having these conversations. It's fun to dialogue with children and old people when you're high. I love talking to little kids and really old folks. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Because all those, you know, adulty to do's can, you know, can just be set aside for a little while. And again, it depends on the strain and the dose and all these things. It's a lot of things to calibrate, but yeah, it's, it's a win-win. In chapter six, I talk about a bunch of moments and ways that are, you know, win-win for parenting and cannabis. And then some situations where, you know, it's best to refrain. So to be a responsible user, you have to know right time, right place, right mood, that stuff. 
Yeah, you cut out a, again a little bit. But yes, you know, set and setting is important in everything we do in life, you know, from our plant medicine, daily rituals to ceremony to just having your yoga and meditation practice. So set and setting, always important. Danielle, you are still frozen on my end. Hi. Hi. Back. Oh, no. That's okay. I got okay. you. I went through that. We're good. Let's talk okay. about how these parents, these moms that are like, okay, I hear you, Danielle. Like, I get it. It's good for me. I'm a better mom. How are you having that conversation first with your kids? Because the household dialogue is way more important than any of the dialogue that's happening outside of your own home. So how are you having that responsible dialogue with your kids? That way you don't feel that shame about choosing this medicine. Yeah. So and I think it varies a lot based on, you know, the ages of your kids and where you live and your job and your co-parenting situation and that kind of stuff. For me personally, I started talking to them when they were about four and seven and we lived in San Diego at the time. So, you know, legal weed was obvious around us, at least in terms of billboards. And, you know, their dad had been to rehab for it and I was starting to write about it and get interested in it. So it was a part of our lives and I knew that I needed to address it. So, you know, the way I, I talked about it is, um, it's a plant, first of all, it grows in the ground, just like these other, you know, plants that we enjoy and grow for ourselves. I probably showed them some pictures. Um, I might have even showed them some actual flower or bud and said, like, this is what it looks like. You might see it, you know, in this form, like the pot leaf symbol, or you might, you know, one day see actual flower. I do keep my stash locked, though, at home, just, you know, to be safe. It's it's a Absolutely. good idea. Absolutely. And especially when I have edibles, you know, that's super important. My kids are now eight and 11, and I'm not at all worried that they're interested in smoking weed. But, you know, if they were to stumble upon an edible and they didn't know what it was, they, they would eat that. So, or, you know, they might. So, you know, that's why I keep stuff, stuff locked. But I tell them it's a plant. Um, some adults use it for medicine. And some adults use it for, you know, relaxing and feeling good or for going to sleep or for just, you know, helping out and getting into a better mood. I also, you know, was clear to say it's not safe for developing brains. It's not safe for, for kids, um, you know, unless you're medicating under a doctor's care. There are some uses, obviously, for cannabis for, for kids, but it's, you know, it's really only medical use that's safe, um, you know, under, under the care of someone who knows what they're doing. Um, although we do use CBD, we use topicals for the kids when they've got aches and pains, when they've, you know, sometimes when they've got abrasions, that sort of thing. So they understand, like, this is a plant that helps and heals. And I even talked about the difference between CBD and THC and the fact that, you know, CBD is something that, you know, will not make anyone high, but can actually just relax you a little bit. And I've actually even given my daughter some CBD here and there yes. internally. And I've had listeners that reached out to me and, and people that I've had cannabis lifestyle sessions with who really are concerned about kids having growing pains and not being able to sleep at night or one, it was the bedwetting thing and being really aggressive with their siblings. And mm -hmm. I feel very good recommending someone to give CBD to their child. And, you know, an 18 to one ratio CBD to THC, I think is phenomenal for, for those aches and pains. And the people that have shared that, with their children after doing the homework and talking with me, um, one of the parents, the bedwetting stopped immediately, hmm. which I thought was fascinating. And then the other, the growing pains, the sleeping through the night changed for them. So, you know, everything obviously should be studied and researched, but, you mm -hmm. know, being able to confidently experiment as a mom is so important. So when you understand the basics of THC and CBD and you know what to look for at the dispensary and you understand how to read a certificate of analysis and you know to get your hemp products that were made on a farm in the United States and not somewhere in China. Like when you know all of those things, you have filled your resource bucket up to make really solid choices and decisions for yourself and your family. And there's nothing you should feel ashamed about around that. Mic drop. I agree. I I, I, very, I, I agree. And I, I, there, it is sticky, though, when it comes to people living in non-legal states and prohibition states. And uh, I have to say, so since 
getting on my cannabis journey in California, we moved to a prohibition state. I live in Idaho now. And um, I don't say that all the time. <laughs> but, you know, stuff isn't going to change unless we talk and, yeah. and normalize responsible use. That's what I'm all about. And I know that there is some risk in that for me, but I also want to totally recognize the privilege of being white and being able to be a can mom who's out, you know, at least on the internet. Um, in my neighborhood, I'm less out, I'll be honest. (laughs) You know, I have to get to know people before I can trust whether it's safe because um, I never want to put my custody of my children in jeopardy. I never want to put, you know, my freedom in jeopardy, obviously, but I also want to help push the envelope because we have to take some risks in order to to change the conversation. Yeah. Um, And I'm really glad that you just brought that up because that really is one of the sticking points with so many women. When they're trying to develop relationships with other can of moms, how do you go about finding out who's cool in your hood? (laughs) You know, I mean, so the funny thing for me is that we've lived in a prohibition state longer during the pandemic than we did before the pandemic. And so my social interactions, you know, are basically none in person right now. So it hasn't been a huge issue. But before the pandemic, I would say that folks that I knew who had come to our state from California, Oregon, and Washington, I would know they're, eh, you know, at least they're used to it. Even if they don't love it, they're not going to be freaked out. So, I, you know, I, I would be more open with them. Folks who are, you know, more long-term Idahoans, I'm, you know, I'm definitely cautious. I'm absolutely, it's something that I feel out for a while first. Yeah, I had made a joke once that Idaho would be the last state to legalize. (laughs) So right now, it's super interesting. This is a little bit of a tangent, but um, there are simultaneous bills being considered in the Idaho state legislature that would legalize uh, medical use for very narrow, specific, like terminal cancer and AIDS, you know, really, really like restrictive medical use. And that was introduced by a former sergeant in the army, I think, who has terminal cancer and, you know, wants to bring medical use, um, compassionate medical use to people. There's also another bill that passed the Idaho House and Senate and is probably going to be put to voters in 2022 that would ban any future possibility of legal cannabis. Oh, yeah. And I don't think the voters would, um, would approve that, but the Idaho Senate did. So, wow. Yeah. Boo. Obviously, there's plenty of people that still aren't into it based on what you just said. So, how do we handle that negative feedback? You know, when you do reach out to someone and say, Hey, I'm a medical cannabis user, I use cannabis for wellness, it makes me a better parent, and somebody tries to shame you or cancel you. Have you had any of those interactions or do you have any advice on on dialoguing that? Well, you know, I think it depends on, you know, where that person is coming from. If you feel like you may be able to get through to them because of your personal relationship and, you know, offering some facts to, you know, counteract their misinformation or their stigmas, then I think that can be helpful. You know, offering simple facts like... Cannabis is legal for medical use in 30s, I think it's 36 states now. It keeps changing and going up. Um, Cannabis is legal for recreational use in 15 states. Um, Not every one of those has had their stores open yet, but as of November, it's that's legal. You know, so things like that, talking about the different experiences you can have from cannabis, the subtlety of, you know, people people who don't know anything about cannabis think like you smoke weed and you get high and that's that's it right they don't understand the whole spectrum of experience that you can have including you know cbd that's not psychotropic um you know it's psychoactive in a certain way but it's not psychotropic um or low doses of thc that really don't impede you know your functioning or really change your perception of reality they just you know relax you a little bit so things like that i think talking about um, the subtle experiences that you can have with cannabis is helpful. And also bring, making it personal, saying, hey, I use it for migraines. It helps me, uh, you know, as opposed to Advil or prescription medications that mess up my stomach and my digestive system. You know, this is something that I can use to feel better when I'm in pain and doesn't cause side effects. Like who who wouldn't like that? You know, who right. wouldn't respond to that? I think yeah. that anecdotal evidence, those personal stories are huge. And what you said in the very beginning about everybody's coming from somewhere different. So 
instead of that immediate being on the defensive and trying to defend yourself, your lifestyle cannabis, to me, it's getting way more curious about, well, what was your experience? What happened? Maybe Mm -hmm. they had a husband that went to rehab for cannabis, you know, (laughs) like we don't know. And so getting more curious, asking more questions, having them do more talking I think helps us come up with a a better angle, so to speak, on exactly how to talk about the plant. Because for me as a cannabis lifestyle guide, sometimes I'm talking to a 70-year-old woman and that conversation is going to be very different than a 35-year-old male. Knowing your audience, listening to them, you know, being a good listener is huge. Staying educated and anyway, so I appreciate your dialoguing this with me because what seems to me like, you know, a no-brainer, no shit, stand up for yourself, it's your life, who gives a shit what anybody else thinks. I'm also not a mom and I'm not married. So I know that it Mm -hmm. feels very different standing in your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. And and I love what you just said about asking questions, right? Getting curious because usually people who have really negative views about cannabis don't really understand it. I mean, Quite obviously, you know, I, I haven't met anyone who who, <laughs> who really truly understands cannabis and has taken the time to get to know it and to you know calibrate their own personal sweet spot with it, and then still dislikes it. They might say it's not for me, but you know, the, there's very little to hate once you understand it. Yes, and if it's another mom and they seem sexually frustrated, telling them the benefits of cannabis in the bedroom might help you change their minds. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sex is a whole chapter in the book, because it's huge. And, you know, for a lot of moms, sex becomes really difficult after kids, like there's so many reasons, you know, there's, there are hormonal reasons, and just physiological reasons of being like sick and tired of being touched all day, you know, by your kids and not wanting to be touched by somebody else later. And, you know, to just sort of the endless to do list and the mental load that moms take on. All those things, I think, contribute. So yes, sex is is it's it's a great way in because actually, you know, women like to talk about sex. Moms like to moms like to talk about sex. Um, you know, if we feel safe. Yes, I I think women like to talk about sex way more than men like to talk about sex. <laughs> yeah, women will tell you the nitty gritty of their stories. Men will be like, "Yeah, we banged. It was great." Like, <laughs> 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 oh, so. Fine. Tell me, is there anything that we haven't covered in this dialogue of helping women drop the shame torch? Um, is there an angle that we haven't covered that you think is important to to focus on? Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I really think, yeah, it's about it's about education, it's about dialogue, it's about exposure to you know the array of possibilities that the legal marketplace offers. I think that's um, that's a big part of it. And I mean, and that's why I wrote the book, basically, to reduce shame and stigma and misinformation and to let women know that there's a whole range of experiences you can have. It's not about just, you know, like, because I do know a lot of women who said, um, well, I tried cannabis in college or, you know, I've tried it once or twice and, you know, I didn't like it. I didn't have a good experience. Um, and there's a woman uh, who lives in Canada who goes by the weed mama um, and she's got some great kind of education out there. And and I quote her in the book as saying something like, you know, if your first experience drinking was doing a line of shots, you wouldn't like the way it made you feel either. You know, you're just not doing it right if you don't like how cannabis makes you feel. And I mean, that's a bit of an overgeneralization, but I do think it's true that, you know, a lot of women I've talked to said, oh, you know, I took an edible with my, you know, boyfriend who was a stoner. He said it was a low dose that I was like completely high out of my mind and I hated it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's not a good first experience. Yeah. You know, let me, let me guide you to a good first experience because, you know, I mean, I give dosing guidelines that are really low and slow, like one hit, one puff or one to two and a half milligrams. If it's edible, you know, really low and slow means you can calibrate your sweet spot. So I just think that if more women knew that they would feel less afraid and, you know, hopefully less shame too, because, you know, a lot of people think that they can't function well if they're if if they're using cannabis, and that is simply not true. Like you can function even better. Yes, and you actually bring me to a thought that you know the other fear that women 
have a lot as parents and consuming is you know what if their kids got it and there's the the fear of developing you know mental illness and things like that and one of the things that i always suggest to parents that vibrate in that high fear space around cannabis is to have an epigenetic panel done find out how cannabis and your endocannabinoid system work together i learned so much about how my body interacts with cannabis so that I could really hone in how I use it for myself. But you also can find out whether or not you have that gene that makes you 8x more likely to develop, you know, schizophrenia if consuming a bunch of cannabis. And you could have that peace of mind of knowing what your roadmap is and what your children's roadmap is. And, you know, that is a very empowering tool to hand over to a teenager. This is this is your life. It's your roadmap. You're in charge, but empowering them yeah. with that information. That is fascinating. Actually, I hadn't heard of genetic tests that can can uh, decode some of your epigenetics around your endocannabinoid system. Wow, yes. that yes. would be so interesting. I know that I metabolize THC faster than the average bear. And I have fewer CB1 receptors. So those two things combined mean that I end up having a higher tolerance and that, you know, my high falls off faster than most people. You know, some people metabolize it so slow they can have that edible and still feel it two and a half days later. Or before I'm like, whatever, this is insane. But now I'm like, oh, that's a thing. So understanding your own genetics can help you really hone in a better relationship with cannabis for your whole family. I'll include I it in the show that. notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask if you had done a show on that. I did. I've done a couple of shows with my epigenetic coach and mm -hmm. it's, it's really fascinating stuff and they just keep dialing it in further and further and learning more things. So I'll include a link where people can check that stuff out. But again, Great peace of mind if you're a parent who's freaked out about having teenagers that are experimenting with cannabis. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do talk about teens as well, even though my kids are just, you know, preteen. My oldest is 11. We're right around the corner from that. And I really wanted to cover best practices for talking to kids of different ages. Um, and so I studied the Drug Policy Alliance's curriculum called Safety First. That's um, really solid, really progressive drug education for teens. And, you know, the principles they talk about are like, you know, to educate well around the risks, to educate well around, you know, proper doses if teens do, you know, choose to partake at some point. Because, you know, let's be real realistic. Like, did you do everything that you <laughs> were told to do as a teen? Did you refrain from everything you were told to refrain from? I did not. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. It's true. The yeah. Students for Sensible Drug Policy, they have a wealth of content on their website that talks a about everything from beer to wine to liquor to cigarettes, cannabis, and it teaches the kids all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, there was one video where it's got a, a solo cup. And if this amount would be a serving of liquor, this would be a serving of wine, this would be a serving of beer. Like if you're going to do this stuff, at mm -hmm. least make sure you're not going to give yourself alcohol poisoning. So, yeah, there's a lot of really great resources out there. And, you know, your book, Weed Mom, is one of them. So how can people get a copy of Weed Mom? They can find Weed Mom on uh, most online booksellers, so Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Powell's. If you want to support your local bookshop, you know, book, bookshop.org is a great one. You can order it from your local bookstore. Um, you might have to special order it, but they will um, they will get it for you. So, um, yeah, all those places. Right on. And if people want to find you and connect with you socially, Danielle, where would they do that? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Danielle Simone Brand. So just my full name, my author name. And um, I have a website as well, daniellesimonebrand.com. Those are the best places to connect with me. All right. Outstanding. Well, I appreciate your time today. I think it's important to 
give moms the little back rub. You can do it. You can do it. <laughs> like this is okay. <laughs> Shake it off. Get loose with it. Cannabis is your friend and nothing to be ashamed of. So I appreciate what you're putting out into the world and God bless you for living in Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Joe. All right. Well, we are going to end this live stream. Let me check the the comments. Coach Johnson says, got to teach them how to have a smoker's kit. Perfume, lotion, hand sanitizer, clear eyes. So yes, have your cannabis locked up. But then I, I have that too, my little survival kit. Everything I need is in my stash bag. So if you're still in the closet with the kiddos, having a smoker's kit is probably a good idea. Yeah. And even just to, um, you know, be respectful of your family. Like, yes, I will. If I go to the garage to smoke, which I do quite often, I will, you know, rinse out my mouth and, you know, just get a little fresher because, you know, I don't love it when people who necessarily just smoked come and sit next to me if I haven't. So, you know, just basic considerations, things like that. And also, I mean, I want to emphasize that, you know, there are other ways to use flour too that, you know, a lot of women don't know about, or a lot of moms who are kind of curious folks don't know about like vaporizing flour is much less, as you know, it doesn't involve combustion. It's not nearly as um, aromatic, um, but you can still get the benefit of that, you know, pure plant medicine, which is something that I really value. Absolutely. And I think another go-to for moms are the, the little tin of mints or, you know, chocolate covered blueberries or whatever, but having a low dose, you know, pop in your mouth and go, there is no ceremony. There is no smell to cover or anything. It's just easy. It can be easy. It can be, it can be. And speaking of ceremony, just, just to add on to that really quickly, you know, if you do have time though, it's a wonderful thing to take, you know, take a little time to yourself. Moms need time to themselves. And it's so hard to get, I mean, especially during the pandemic, but you know, really, if you have little kids, it's hard generally. So, you know, making it a ritual, however you consume, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's an edible or a stripper, a spray or a sublingual, or you're smoking flour, or vaping or whatever, but just to take a moment and say, this is the reason I'm choosing to partake at this moment. This is the the mood shift that I'm seeking, you know, like to just set aside that little bit of intention, I think is really helpful. Um, I mean, yes, absolutely. We can pop it on the go when we need to. And, you know, that's really convenient and wonderful. But I love the idea of, you know, of, again, it just feeds this whole mindful use. Yes. And I do that for myself. I you tell people all the time, you know, my cannabis infused meditation is my most important meeting of the day. And it's the very first one I have every single day. And I typically get an eye roll from moms saying like, oh, good for you that you can meditate in the morning. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it is making that time, whether or not it's five minutes, 10 minutes, whether or not you have to hide in the closet literally for 10 minutes to just be quiet. And um, yeah, that kind of stuff is so important for our sanity. It really is now more than ever. And I mean, but I remember what it was like, you know, with babies and toddlers, it does not feel like you can get that time away. I get it. And yet I wish like like looking back on my younger, you know, mom self, I wish I had done it. I wish I had known that it was okay for me to take a little time to myself, a little time away from my family to just get happier, get right in my head so that I could be there, you know, better for them. And you know, I, I, I was a very attentive mom, very, you know, attached mom. Uh, and when my kids were very, very little, but, you know, but I didn't really take care of myself very well. And that led to some problems in my life and my marriage. So as a, as a mom of very slightly older kids now, I, I want to be a little bit of a mentor or a coach to younger moms to say, Hey, taking care of you is vital. It's not just like, you know, the thing you do at the very end of your day, possibly before you fall asleep exhausted. But like, if you give your, give back to yourself a little bit, you will have more. Absolutely. Man, I just think so much moms just, you know, flying off the handle on something and then feeling bad. I mean, I've gotten phone calls from my friends before being like, I'm such a terrible mother. I just yelled at my daughter and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's like, if you would take that time for yourself, if you would put on your oxygen mask before you put on their oxygen mask, you wouldn't have as many of those moments. They become fewer and further between and continuously pounding that message home to parents 
take care of yourself first. You have to take care of yourself first. Yes. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out and we'll have to do this again soon. Moms need this repetition of messaging, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Joe. I really, I really had fun. Moms, if that wasn't chicken soup for your soul, I don't know what is. (laughs) I hope you're inspired to make time for yourself every single day. Maybe we got you fired up to start a dialogue in your mommy circle. Or perhaps suggest adding Weed Mom to your book club's reading list. And hello, what an A-plus Mother's Day gift. Hell, this book should be in the waiting room of every pediatrician's office in the country. Seriously, imagine the world with empowered moms who are feeling themselves. Yes, please. Head over to the podcast 176 show notes at casuallybaked.com to find links to Danielle Simone Brand's book and bio, along with more information on the ECS epigenetic testing I talked about for you parents with a high fear vibe around your teens and cannabis use. Peace of mind is priceless. And in the podcast business, so are ratings and reviews. So take a beat to share five stars with Casually Baked on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps other canna-curious moms find this highly responsible cannabis content. Social butterflies, you can find me at Casually Baked on Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, do me a solid and give at MJ Skin Relief a follow. I'm wearing a lot of hats out here and I appreciate you doing your part to puff puff pass it on. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.